Blog Talk Radio.
E A L R A D I O S H O W dot com, or perhaps signing in on our site of our provider, Blog Talk Radio, at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. Now remember to abbreviate the word Captain to C A P T. Should you wish to de- talk during our live broadcast, feel free to call in on our call-in number, 213-816-1611 at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Let me repeat that number so you can write it down for your Monday night visits, 213-816-1611. By the way, tell your friends about our membership is growing. We now have 1,040 Eastern family and friends. Don't forget, you can listen to any of our 454 Monday night broadcasts and 100-plus Thursday broadcasts by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. That's Captain Eddie. And scroll down through the archives of the broadcast. Each episode is briefly described. We're nearing our 600 episode now. And all because of the listeners like you, wanting to listen and want to talk about Eastern Airlines. Our lines are always open for calls, and if you choose not to participate and talk live with our hosts, we ask you to please mute your phone, as our producer does not have the capability of filtering out background noises, such as barking dogs and slamming doors and ice cubes and beverages, ringing phones. That's why we put the mute feature on our on our phones. Now, we have, looks like we have a number one on takeoff. So, Captain, let our flight 455 in the air. Tower Blur is 650, we'll You're in one of Eastern's whisper jets. The noisiest section is the pilot's compartment. We keep the door closed. In the cabin, it's quiet. The jets and the noise are behind you. The Whisper Jet climbs to smooth cruising altitude faster than any other jet airliner. It's the most relaxing plane there is. Fly Eastern. See how much better an airline can be. With this little melody, everyone. 
producer, I'm sure our guest was thinking this is her search for a way to go home. We are glad that we, the radio show and website, were able to help her and her family stranded at the end of the world. We have been following the progress of Eastern Friends, Martina Kishores, and her family stranded at the southern tip of South America since the plea for help came to the EAL radio show via email asking for any help we could provide. They had no way to get home because of the shortage of airline service around the world. Our producer, during the many emails we received and sent to Martina, asked her if she would come on one of our Monday night radio broadcasts. She agreed to do so when she got home. Well, tonight, we are pleased that Martina is fulfilling that promise and is with us. I'm sure there are many questions our hosts and listeners might want to ask her. Before we hear a fascinating story, though, I would like to introduce Martina Tishore to all of our listeners and hosts. Martina Tishore, born and raised in Warsaw, Poland, attributes her heritage to a loving family before moving to the United States, were adopted by America, a wonderful, beautiful country with beautiful people. Martina sees herself as a sincere, friendly, curious, and ambitious person, addicted to travel, and who loves food. She says it's the best thing that ever happened to humans. I'm sure Dom will agree. She thinks that God has special plans for everyone, a time and place for everything, and things happen for a reason. She grew up in a post-war communist society in Warsaw, finished grade, secondary school, and then college, attributing this because her dad was the kindest person you'd ever want to meet. He embraced everyone and literally hosted people in the home from all over the world. Her dad was curious about the world and guided her brother and her to peruse maps. She says having geography quizzes was a daily occurrence in their conversation. Her dad was a teacher as well as a tourist guide who instilled in her a passion as an avid traveler. Her mother was a teacher and along with her dad worked summer and winter breaks for a company that organized summer sleepaway camps for Polish kids in different countries. Giving both Martina and her brother the chance to travel all over Poland and Europe two to three weeks at a time, meeting kids from all over the world. Martina found this exhilarating and led to want more as the fascination with the unknown drove her to the desire to travel. She even wanted to become a stewardess because it would provide her with the opportunity to explore the world. Martina was in the field of study of business, family, and consumer and human sciences. She, too, is employed at Healthtronics Incorporated, HTRN as they call it, in Austin, Texas, from June 1997 to the present as a revenue cycle manager and has a staff of seven in the accounts receivable area. She graduated from the College of Economy with a focus on French language, though she doesn't speak it anymore, and foreign affairs in 1986 with an associate degree still hoping to peruse more studies to complete her bachelor's degree. Having studied foreign affairs and languages and driven by her restless spirit, Martina moved to the U.S. after college for a visit to study and travel. She met Jack, got married, and had two beautiful children 
and made the U.S. her home for the last 34 years. She is so happy and lives 15 minutes from the airport. Of course, it's strategically chosen for impromptu vacations and the opportunity to travel to many places and experience different cultures. Now, of course, the unique experience in Argentina is one she was glad to encounter, and she has a higher appreciation of her homeland, but also met so many wonderful people, especially made new friends and was adopted by our Eastern Airlines family. Martina comments that she cannot be more grateful to all at Eastern that followed their journey and awaited their homecoming and thanks Eastern. She also says nothing will stop her from further travel and appreciating the most valuable gifts in life that no one can steal. As Martina says, always share your passion. It's free to share. A beautiful quote that Martina did or said by Eleanor Roosevelt, do what you feel in your heart to be right, or you'll be criticized anyway. Welcome, Martina, to our program, and please go ahead and tell our listeners all about your recent amazing journey. Martina Tishores. Good evening, everybody. Um, hello, Eastern family, and hello, Eastern friends. Thank you for having me on the show let me begin by expressing our heartfelt gratitude to all the Eastern family, especially to Don, Dorothy, Captain Neil, of course, Mark Porter, and everybody. Um, and I, as I said before, I, I can't remember everybody's names, but the whole Eastern family, thank you so much for um, being there for us. It, I would not be here today to share our experience if it wasn't uh, for you all. Um, we send the plea to many, many um, throughout this journey, but the Eastern Radio not only responded, but also embraced our story and stayed with us throughout this journey. So thank you so much for having uh, me on the show. And uh, by the way, I heard there's nine years, so almost happy upcoming anniversary to all. Um, let, me, let me say that the story really uh, sort of began about 15 years ago when uh, um, we as a family, the four of us, along with some friends, hiked Glacier National Park. Uh, we hiked the U.S. and the Canadian side. It was so spectacular. It was, it was so amazing that, um, you know, moving fast forward, we dreamed of more hiking and more exploring and, and, and the traveling uh, around the world. And so the dream of Patagonia surfaced, which is, of course, in South America. Um, it, it sounded, Patagonia sounded quite exotic, so, um, but we knew that one day it will become a reality. And it sure did, um, with additional experience that, um, you know, we didn't expect, of course. Um, so last fall, we started talking about the um, family trip, and, and um, as my two kids, my son and daughter, um, we're calling it the last family trip as they are um, all grown up now and, and, you know, they probably don't want to travel with parents anymore, so they call <laughs> it the last family trip. Um, we, um, as probably in any, any family, uh, we were discussing and, and planning and trying to come up with what we want to do and where we want to go. Um, Alec is living in Michigan and Em was living in Connecticut. Uh, where she goes to school. So 
um, everybody's idea about the trip was, was so somewhat different. So um, basically we used a lot of video calling, a lot of um, texting, a lot of messaging and, and, and old-fashioned calling to come up with, with idea. My kids wanted to go backpacking in Torres del Paine, Chile, uh, which is somewhat in the part, heart of Patagonia. Well, thinking about my kids who are much, much younger than, than I am and Jack, Jack is, um, I was somewhat reluctant because I was thinking, oh, my age and my ability and, and uh, you know, I don't know if I, can, if I can surely do that. You know, I had no problem mountain hiking. I, I love mountain hiking, but the prospect of carrying a backpack with the tent and the whole gear and it it really didn't sound that appealing anymore. Well, at least not, you know, since I was not young anymore. Um, so, but but um, the kids were like, oh, you know, you can't do this. You're, you know, you don't exercise enough. You know, you sit in, um, by the desk for 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day in the office. You know, you, you, you can't do all this. So, you know, um, if anybody knows me, and I think you um, started to know me a little bit, um, you throw a challenge into, you know, underneath my nose, and that that's, that challenge is going to go a long way. So not only I, I you know, I, I went ahead and I said, okay, I'm buying myself a treadmill, so I bought myself a treadmill for Christmas. And, you know, after buying the tickets to Punta Arenas, Chile, um, you know, booking the car and everything, I said, okay, this is it. You know, this, this, is, this goes my challenge. So I started walking every day to get into shape, and eventually I even started putting a backpack on my back um, to, <laughs> to walk every day just to, just to prove my kids wrong. It wasn't for anything else, really. Um, and I won't lie that it wasn't hard, um, but, um, but, I, but I was determined. I was, I was very de- determined, although at one point I did say, you know what, forget about it. Um, you know, I'll just go to a hotel. You guys go hiking because I was about to give up. But my kids, my, my kids, you know, when they dare me, that's even worse than challenge. So, um, you know, this, this, this really came, this came to my, to, uh, actually good for me because I was, I was walking every day. I, I, I really thought I got in shape, which actually proved really well because once we got hiking, I, I beat them. I really beat them all, you know, so I was the best. I, I, I you know, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> but going back to the story, the March came uh, really quick. Um, on March 7th, we, we left uh, Chicago O'Hare, um, and uh, we um, landed. We actually had a stop, a stop um, in Dallas and then from Dallas all the way to Santiago, Chile, um, we um, then um, went all the way down south to Punta Arenas, Chile. Um, this was our first week of our trip was supposed to be Chile and um, hiking uh, with the full gear, backpacking, uh, with the tents, with the sleeping bags, uh, going to Torres del Paine. And then the second week was supposed to be more relaxing um, and going to Argentina, going to um, the southernmost part um in the city called Ushuaia. So um, we, we, after landing in Santiago, we uh, booked our, we got our car, we drove about four hours to um, um, Puerto Natales, which is um, a last city before Torres del Paine Park. We, um, you know, explored a little bit, we, we ate, and then we were going to, on our way to the park to 
uh, to our hotel for the night, and we got stuck. We couldn't we couldn't pass um, through. It was March eighth. March eighth is uh, known in many parts of the world as uh, International Women's Day. So there were there were a lot of women on the street, and they sure not would let anybody pass through the road. And there was only one road. So um, you know they were basically expecting everybody to come out and support and 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 cheer for the women. Well, you know, everybody was standing in the cars, and I'm like, I need to go. I, I, I'm going to go. So what do I do? I, of course, get out of the car and dance with them so, so they can let me go, and they did let me go. And we were the only cars I'm passing through. I said, I'll take whatever. It, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, so um, you, can, you can imagine my determination. Um, so, you know, as we got to the park, we stayed um, in the hotel for the first night because it was late. Next day, we uh, started our hiking trip. We, we hiked for five days. We stayed in the campsite. Um, it was spectacular. It was amazing. The, the views, the, um, the glacier, the, the, the trek, the W trek that we did was, was just stunning. I'm not going to say that it wasn't hard. It was hard. Um, but had I not exercised, there is no way I would have done it. There is no way I could have left the five days. It, it, it just it just wouldn't happen. They probably would have to lift me up from there and, and take me to the hospital. <laughs> it was it was tough, but it was it was well worth it. Um, so after coming um, after basically finishing the trip, we went back to the hotel for the uh, sixth night. Um, it was on uh, March 13th. We um, came back to the hotel, um, tired but but happy, very very happy, tired. Um, and um, we were getting ready for the 14th of March to um, start um, crossing over to Argentina border. Um, on um, when we got to the hotel, um, you know, obviously washing up, getting something to eat, um, unpacking. Um, my son received an email from from the states here. He was actually in the uh, process of going through um, job interview, so he got an email that his interview was moved to March 18th. We were originally planning to come home. We had tickets for the 20th of, of March, but since he got that email that he has to be um, in the states for March 18th, um, we decided, okay, change of plans. Uh, we have to instead of crossing the border uh, near. Um, Puerto Natales, we're going to go all the way down back to Punta Arenas so he can fly home. And then um, the three of us would just go ahead and continue with the, with the trip down to Argentina. Well, obviously, we were, we were completely oblivious of what was happening through this whole week when things started rapidly changing in the, in the world because when we were in the park, we had no Internet, we had no phone signal, we had nothing. So by the time we got to Punta Arenas, um, you know, we, we uh, he, um, Alec left, he went on the plane, he went to the States. Well, he actually left first, he had a stopover in to Santiago. We in, um, in turn, um, um, uh, Jack and I, we started driving to Argentina. So, um, you know, this is, this is the part where it's just plains and there is mountains and plains and you really don't see a lot, but you do see guanaco, you see a lot of flamingos. It's, it's just amazing. It's, it's amazing that, Flora and fauna that you see, and and all the spectacular views, it's 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 unbelievable. Um, so we were um, it, it, totally charmed with everything that we were seeing. 
you um, eventually go through um, the ferry because you're going on the island, and then you cross Argentinian border. So on the 14th in the in the late evening, we cross under Argentinian border, still with no warning, nothing that um, would tell us that there is some uh, major storm blowing. Um, you know, and, and waiting for us. So we cross the border. We get to the very first um, city, which is called Rio Grande. Um, we we um, come to the hotel. It's late at night. We 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 get in. Alec, uh, my son, calls us from Santiago de Chile, and he basically says, uh, "Mom, um, there is some problems. It seems like a lot of airlines are canceling flights." Um, it seems like um, things are happening happening quite rapidly. You may want to consider um, checking your tickets and see what's happening. It was very late at night on the 14th, so we, you know, we didn't, you know, we checked. Everything seemed okay at that point. So on the 15th, we um, we basically say, okay, let's move on. Let's keep going down to Ushuaia, and you know, then we'll see. We'll see what's happening. So we basically get to Ushuaia, and all of a sudden we hear, okay, Argentinian border is going to close. Um, Chilean border is going to close. The flights are getting canceled. Um, nothing is open. The Tierra del Fuego Park is going to be closing. Um, so what do we do? We just drove another 350 kilometers uh, <laughs> from the Argentinian border, and here we are. What do we do next? So the first inclination, it was about 10 in the evening, and our son just landed in, in Chicago, and he calls us and he says, well, I just looked at the schedule. Everything is canceled. You guys may want to rebook your tickets, and you may want to come home. So here we are. We just literally landed in our Airbnb, a nice little cozy place with a view of the beautiful mountains and, and the whole area in Ushuaia, which is, by the way, is a, is a capital of the, of the province. And it's actually called the end of the world. It's a very last city um, on the southern tip of the, uh, South America. So we're uh, we're just unpacked and we're like okay let's pack back and we are you know we we better start driving because by the time we reach the border it's going to be you know early in the morning and if they're closing the border the next day we you know we we may want to be there um we start checking and checking and then um um then we hear okay the border may not actually close until the following day so we said okay so let's not rush because we just drove so many hours let's just uh start driving in the morning so we did we packed all night got everything ready and we head back so another 350 some kilometers and we go back to the border um we get to the border and the first thing we hear is like nope you cannot go you are from um the most wanted country which is united states meaning that um, you're affected, you may spread the, um, the virus, and we cannot let you go. We um, basically were trying to explain to these people, we already rebooked our tickets for the 16th. We have to return the car back to Chile. We have to go. We have return flights. It's not like we want to stay in Argentina. We want to go. We need to go home, and we have the, the book tickets. And um, unfortunately, um, they were quite adamant, and they said, nope, you cannot go. You have to now stay for quarantine for 14 days. Um, it was, it, 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 we, we tried to convince these people, and, and it was very, very difficult, um, you know, especially for me and Jack. We don't speak the language. We don't speak Spanish. Um, unfortunately, um, and my daughter, she um, 
she took Spanish since uh, uh, middle uh, middle school. So um, you have no idea how happy I was that she did because um, <laughs> that really that really was very very helpful. Um, so so you know we tried to convince them they would not um, they would not let us go. We didn't really know um, much um, what else to do. You know, there were a lot of tourists um, that were taken uh, the same day. They were just basically standing at that uh, border. It was a very small building, and we were all standing there. And they said, um, well, none of you can go. We were lucky because we had the rental car. Um, there was a lot of people who um, actually were taken off like buses, like a transportation buses that run through, you know, northern part or southern part of Argentina. And they were basically taken off because this was the border. And they said, well, you can't go anywhere. You can't cross back to Chile. From the southern part of Argentina to northern part, you have to cross Chile. So the only other way is not to, when you don't cross the border, is to fly. Um, obviously, from the Ushuaia airport um, all the way to, you know, other airports, Buenos Aires in particular. Um, so a lot of people were stranded. They did not, not know what to do. Um, we, um, it was late at night, and we, were deci- we decided, okay, we don't really know what to do at this point. We have no idea, um, you know, how to help. So we can't reach the U.S. Embassy at this point. We can't really reach anybody else. We don't really know what's happening. Um, So we decided to go back to Ushuaia to uh, drive another uh, 350 kilometers back (laughs) to Ushuaia. And then we also (laughs) took a couple of people because they had no way of going to any city. So we actually put people on, in our car just to help them out because they were totally stranded. They had no car, no transportation. They didn't know what to do. So we wow. just took them um, with us. Um, it was it was a, um, a crazy drive because you actually go through a, um, through a mountain um, path, where, which is pretty, which is called um, uh, Passa Garibaldi. And it's, it's pretty high up, and, you know, the road is winding, and it's night, and you don't know it. So we, we drove, but we got through. We got to Ushuaia, um, and here's another night. So here we go. We said, okay, let's get some rest. Let's call Alec. Let's, you know, see what we can do. Let's, um, you know, check with the U.S. Embassy what to do. Well, my daughter, because she spoke Spanish, she started um Checking with them, uh, with the Argentinian uh, government, see what's on the website, and, and and trying to figure out what's really happening. So she found out the Chilean border is not going to be closed until the 18th of of March. Um, so we decide, okay, if we let's try again. So here we go. The next morning, we get back in the car, drive another 350 miles <laughs> back to the back to the border. Um, with, uh, you know, with our tickets in hands, with everything, and we just go. We come back to the border. The same nurse tells us, no, you cannot pass. You have to stay here. I think the guards had enough of us because we spent so many um, hours there, and we were sort of like trying to convince them that, you know, we we have to go. We're not trying to stay in Argentina. We're not trying to become permanent residents here. We want to go back home. And they actually were at the point that they were like, okay, we, we have no problem. You guys can go. But the nurse was very adamant, and she's like, no, you're not going anywhere. You have to go through a quarantine. So, um, you know, the, she actually uh, sort of uh, forced us to, um, to sign papers to stay in Argentina. 
um, which I didn't want to because I felt like, okay, if you sign the papers, then this is binding, right? And this is Argentinian government. You cannot, you know, you have no wiggle way. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You have to abide by the rules. And you really don't know the country. You don't know what it's like. So so um, she eventually, so what we did, we started driving. We started driving, and we're like, we were sort of like, Okay, nothing we can do. Let's just go. We're just going to have to stay here for 14 days, and that's about it. So in the meanwhile, my daughter calls um, Argentinian embassy in Chicago. Um, she calls the lady in, in, in U.S. here, and the lady was very, very nice, and she actually stayed on the phone. She says, I don't understand. They should let you go because you do have return tickets. You want to leave the country. You don't want to stay in the country. So she says, you know what, I'll be more than happy to talk to this nurse. Um, so put me on. So we drive back because we're already half an hour about away going back to Oshuaia. We come back to the border. The, um, the, it's still on the phone. That lady was on the phone with us. She was talking to us. We come back to the border. They tried looking for the nurse. She finally gets there. Um, and so Argentinian consulate, I think it was consulate, Argentinian consulate in Chicago, this lady, Beatrice, I will never forget her, she is trying to tell this nurse and explain in Spanish, of course. I don't understand half of what she's saying, but I know she's trying to explain to this nurse that these people are, yes, they are from the United States. They are from the most wanted country right now. They are, you know, they, they were um, here. They came in, but they want to go home. They have the tickets. You need to let them go. Well, you, obviously it didn't happen. Many hours later, we still try. She didn't let us go. So um, we called the, the car company. The car company basically says, okay, let us talk to them. Uh, maybe we can convince them. So the rental car company uh, people are talking to this nurse again. She's not budging. She's like, no, there's nothing we can do. But she says what you can do is you can go to the nearest city, which is at Rio Grande, and if you get a certificate of health that you are in good health, then we can let you go. So that's not soon enough. We jump back in the car, drive to that um, the address that she gives us. She gave us the address to go to. We go to that uh, to that building, and what happens? It turns out it's a hospital. No sooner that we walk into the hospital, they literally put us in isolation. <laughs> so they move us into a room where we are enclosed and we have no idea what's going to happen to us. And we're like, okay, this was a trap. She knew exactly what she was telling us because she had enough of us. So she purposely told us, okay, if you get the certificate, you'll be free to go. Well, obviously we got to the hospital and, you know, once they found out that we are from the United States and it was it, we we're, were totally stuck in this room. So, um, all in all, uh, we're waiting there and waiting there and waiting there, and, and nobody's coming, and we're, like, thinking, okay, what's going to happen to us here? We have no idea. We, um, they put the masks on us. They sort of, like, like locked the door, and we're just sitting there. Well, finally, after some time, um, a doctor comes in, and he introduces himself as um, a director of the hospital, and he speaks English. So that was, you know, that was a relief. And he basically said to us, um, um, you know, um, there is really, you know, what I can do is I see that you have no symptoms. I see that there's, although he didn't check, nobody checked anything at that hospital. They didn't check our, our temperature, nothing. 
But he says, I see that you have no symptoms. You're telling me you have no symptoms. You know, unfortunately, the rule, um, the government has issued a quarantine warning to everybody, and you guys have to stay here. So I have no, I can't, you know, really do anything for you. But um, I will go ahead and see your case to um, to the, um, like a CDC type of a um, health department, and their decision is final. So if they tell us that you can go, then we'll let you go. So so he comes, but he says most likely you're going to have to stay here. So um, so um, he comes back after another hour. He comes back and he says, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is that, yes, you do have to stay in Argentina for 14 days. The good news is that you don't have to stay in Rio Grande. You can go back to Ushuaia. So we're like, okay, well, you know, at least we'll go to a nice, beautiful place. So, um, so, we, uh, so we drive down to Ushuaia. Um, but then we try again. We say, okay, this 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 doesn't this, this is not going to work like that. This just can't happen like this. You can't you can't just like keep somebody. You know, if you want to leave, I mean, I understand if we can if we want to stay in the country, that's different. But we want to leave. We want to go home. So we again drive back <laughs> to the border. Um, unfortunately, try again. Nothing happens. They won't let us go. So, you know, reluctantly, again, through the past of Garibaldi, beautiful. Everything is so beautiful, gorgeous. But, you know, nothing happens. We can't, we can't pass. So, you know, finally we decide, okay, let's go. This was our third attempt. There is really nothing that we can do. We're just going to have to take it as it is. So we come back to Ushuaia. We were very lucky. We had a very nice Airbnb. We had a really nice view of the Beagle Channel, um, so the the port, the water, um, and then the mountains all surrounding. So that was that was really a nice nice um, uh, you know uh, I guess um, a, a reward for being stuck there. Um, the 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 city itself is is the area where all the expeditions to Antarctica start. Um, and, um, you know, you can go and explore. Unfortunately, we couldn't go anywhere. They told us right away, you cannot go anywhere. You have to stay in the apartment. You, can, you, you, you will be checked by the um, health department like three times a day that you stay there. Uh, you have to check um, your temperature. You have to, you know, check your symptoms, and you have to call um, the health department right away um, if you um, develop any symptoms, but you, you cannot leave the, the apartment at all. So, um, you know, we, we sort of, uh, um, I guess, if you, for the lack of a better word, you, you, we embraced our faith at that moment, and we're like, okay, well, if we are staying here, we make, we, we're going to try to make the best of it. Um, I luckily took my laptop from work uh, and my phone from work, so I immediately started, you know, um, asking my, my boss if I can, work at least because I probably will be stuck here for a while and I certainly <laughs> don't want to lose my job um you know she was uh, um she was um I still had like two days on, on of my vacation so she says why don't you just finish your vacation and then start from Monday and I'm like no 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 because I don't know how long I'm going to be here I'd rather start here because maybe I'll need my my two vacation days for travel if I need to go come back to states so um so she so she was okay with that and I started working, but 
the problem was that Em couldn't continue her school because, you know, she didn't have her laptop. She didn't have any, you know, anything with her. And um, her school uh, moved the classes online, so she couldn't do anything. So she was getting very, very upset. She goes like, I cannot lose the semester. I cannot, you know, do this or that. So she started emailing, and I and I kid you not, she this this um, child of mine um, had a mind of her own. I you know I always think of myself as quite resourceful, but she emailed everybody, including UPS, including Jeff Bezos, including anybody that she can think of, um, and. Um, she wasn't even trying, and, and the UPS um, um, lady was very, very nice, and she actually emailed her, and she says, I'm really sorry. I wish I could help you, but I can't put you as a cargo. <laughs> so, so, you know, she couldn't, she couldn't help us, but, um, uh, but she tried. She, uh, my daughter certainly tried. She, she emailed everybody, and I, of course, started using my, my computer, my, my laptop, and I'm like, okay. Well, what are the what are the choices? What's happening? All the airlines were um, canceling um, the the flights. There was no flights. There were still some flights from Santiago. Um, there there were still some flights from Buenos Aires. Um, our original flights were back from Punta Arenas to Santiago, so we really never had any flights from Argentina. Um, so we were trying to figure out what is our option and what can we do. Um, and of course, as uh, I, I tried uh, changing the tickets, and there was um, the um, Aerolinas Argentinas is, is one of the um, uh, low, I guess Argentinian um, flight flagship um, carrier, and they were, um, you know, they were still flying, but um, there were no tickets until late March. So I started buying tickets. Each ticket I bought, the flight was canceled. Each ticket I bought, the flight was canceled. Another ticket, the, the fifth ticket, you know, uh, the, the fourth ticket, the third, I'm sorry, ticket I, I bought, it was canceled. So it was really weird because on the March 24th, I, I was like, because our window actually looked at the Ushuaia airport, and we could see the flights coming in, but it was canceled, and we didn't understand what was happening. And, and we were like, okay, something doesn't make sense. And then on the 24th, we certainly did not see any planes landing. So we knew that the flights are totally canceled. So we were still trying, you know, trying to figure out what we're going to do. We tried to go back to um, um, Punta Arenas. We even had um, worked with um, a Chilean consulate that that was in Ushuaia. They actually came and picked up the car um, to where we were staying. Um, and we asked them, can they help us? I, we said, I said to them, I said, okay, this is, this is the border between your two countries. Can you help? Can you help us? You know, and and unfortunately, they said no. They can't help us um, with anything. So at the same time, we already had um, um, uh, obviously contacted the U.S. Embassy. Um, we had um, uh, placed in our information in the SEP program, um, and you know, we sort of like gave up at one point. We were still searching, but we but we sort of get, gave up. Um, so, so then, um, once we were registered for U.S. Embassy, we started receiving different um, emails and different alerts. Um, we had uh, noticed then that um, at one point the U.S. Embassy had uh, shown um, that Eastern Airlines is going to fly um, back to U.S. from Buenos Aires to Miami. 
And we're like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's wonderful. But who is Eastern? I had no idea. I'm being really honest. And I, my biggest apologies to all of you because I should have known who Eastern was, but I didn't. So forgive me my ignorance, but I certainly started researching at that time. I had started Googling everywhere to see who the Eastern was and, 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 and who is this wonderful a company that is going to bring all Americans home. So, um, of course, I came across um, the Eastern Radio Show. And, um, you know, the rest of the story, most of you know that I emailed. And um, and uh, to uh, really my surprise at first was that I received an answer. And uh, it was the, the most wonderful, um, warm feeling that I've had in, in this entire um, uh, journey that somebody actually listened and somebody responded and somebody said, okay, let's see what we can do about it and let's see how we can help you. And it was just amazing. It was just wonderful. Um, but, but again, you know, we were trying, we were trying to get out of Ushuaia. It wasn't the, even the, the fact that we could um, leave from Buenos Aires uh, because the flight was scheduled originally, I believe, for March 31st right. um, from uh, Buenos Aires to uh, Miami. But we couldn't get to uh, Buenos Aires. There was just no way to get to Buenos Aires. So we were trying to work with U.S. Embassy, trying to uh, find the resources, how to get uh, through. At one point, um, it, um, um, the French Embassy organized um, a bus um, to take the tourists from Ushuaia to Buenos Aires. Now, mind you, the, when I was talking about the 350 kilometers from uh, Ushuaia to the border, that, that was only to the Argentine and Chilean border. But to get to Buenos Aires, it's, it's uh, way over 3,000 kilometers. So, so it's quite a distance. It's about um, 50 to 60 hour drive um, through, you know, over land. So that's, that's uh, quite challenging. But, you know, everybody was determined. Everybody wanted to go home. So a lot of people signed up. We, we were on the list as well. And we were getting ready to get on the bus. Um, we had to um, get documents, we had to, you know, get all the information, and we were ready um, to go on the bus. In the meanwhile, it turns out that um, U.S. Embassy had um, emailed us, and they told us that there is a possibility that there's going to be a military flight um, from Buenos Aires to Ushuaia, because there was a lot of um, what they call Fulginos, who are the local uh, Ushuaia, uh, Terra um, de Fuego residents uh, people, and they were in Buenos Aires and they wanted to come home. So the government or um, uh, Argentinian government said, okay, we'll send those military planes, we'll bring those people home, and then we'll take some of those uh, stranded in Ushuaia, which uh, there was a lot of Argentinians there too. Um, so we'll take them back home. So um, we, of course, um, opted out for the flight versus the bus because the flight is only, you know, four hours versus the bus 60 hours. So we were working with U.S. Embassy and with French Embassy, and we were trying to get on the on the bus. Um, and we um, and then we said, okay, we're going to opt out for for the uh, for the flight. So U.S. Embassy has sent us actually a confirmation email on the for the flight. They sent us like a boarding pass. It was like a totally different um, <clears throat> boarding pass. It was like through Argentinian military, and uh, you know we got all excited. Okay, we're ready. We're we're getting we're getting somewhere. However, 
what turned out is that that flight was supposed to be on April 1st. Well, Eastern flight was going to be on, on March 31st. So even if we got to Buenos Aires, there was no way we are going to make the Eastern flight. It just, it just would not work. So, of course, my plea to my Eastern family now uh, was, can you do something? Can you help us out? Can Eastern move the flight? And so, um, you know, throughout many emails, many pleas, um, you know, um, you have no idea how excited I was when I saw when um, Dorothy asked me earlier, she said, how did you know about those flights? How, where did you see those flights? And as I said, I was going on the Eastern um, Airline website, which is Go Eastern Air. And each time you would go, you would see flights to Lima, you would see flights to uh, Guayaquil, you would see flights to Buenos Aires. And so that flight on the 31st was still there, and it was still there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, we're not going to make that flight. What do we do? Well, eventually, um, after um, everybody's efforts, obviously, Marks and, and, and Don and Dorothy and, and Neil and everybody, that flight, we look at the website, and all of a sudden, the flight is moved. And we were ecstatic. We were ecstatic. And please, I was not contributing this move to any of my efforts. I was just happy that it was moved. And, um, you know, we were very happy. Well, what happens next is, you know, even more uh, crazy. We were ready for our um, military flight. We got our boarding tickets. We got our Argentinian documents. We got everything. We um, we said goodbye to our host um, with the Airbnb. They were wonderful. They were really, really nice. They even baked us a cake for the um, going away. They were happy. We were going finally home. So, you know, they, they baked us the cake. We take the cake. We go to the airport. Here we come to the airport. We No, before we even got to the airport, I, I didn't tell you that one part. So what happened is, like, we're ready to go to the airport. The host is giving us the cake. We're um, calling for the taxi. Um, on the taxi, you have to have a special permission to even go on the taxi. We're ready to leave. We get a call from U.S. Embassy, and they say, no, uh, the, you cannot go. Don't go to the airport. The flight has been canceled. And and we're like, wait a minute. What do you mean it was canceled? They said, no, you you um you know it was canceled. So we said, okay. Well, they said maybe tomorrow. So we're like, okay. What do we do now? Now the eastern flight was moved. Now <laughs> we still won't make it because even if it's tomorrow, we won't make to the eastern flight. So you know, here I go. You know, email again. But I did call the embassy again, and I said, you know what? I just saw a plane land because, I, like I said, we were right across from the airport. I said, I just saw a plane land. And I said, what do you mean it was canceled? And then they said, yes, it, was, it did land, but you're not on it. So we're like, okay. Um, you know, and I say, please, if anything changes, we're 10 minutes from the airport. We can get there in 10, 15 minutes. Please let us know if anything changes, anything. So, um, you know, so we're sitting there and we're just thinking, okay, let's, you know, let's start from the beginning. Let's let's start um, checking our resources. So um, maybe around four o'clock in the afternoon, we get a call from the U.S. Embassy, and we we are be, we are being told, okay, can you make it in ten minutes? Go now. 
So we're like, we were packed. We never unpacked. We never really did anything that day. We were just sitting there. So here we go, calling back for the taxi, you know, going to the airport. We come to the airport. We see a lot of different taxis coming in, a lot of people coming in, everybody standing in front of the airport. So we're standing in front of the airport. We start talking to other people. There were, there were people from um, U.K., from Canada, from another family from U.S., um, uh, from New Zealand, Kiwis, um, you know, other people. And, and everybody's talking to each other. We're standing there for about an hour. We're being, um, all our passports, pictures, and everything is being taken, checking the documents. We're standing there. All of a sudden, we hear, we hear the engine, plane engine go. And we're like thinking to ourselves, what's going on? Where is like, is this plane just moving to a like different area or something? We had no idea. And um, of course, um, all of a sudden we hear the plane just taking off and we're all looking at each other and we're thinking, what's going on? Why is this plane taking off? But we're still standing there. Nobody's coming and we're still standing in front of the airport. We're not being let into, into the airport. So we're standing there. We're waiting. Um, Nobody's coming up. Nobody's telling us what's happening, so we're just waiting. About half an hour later, we hear another engine go, and another plane takes off. So at that time, um, a lady comes out um, from the airport, and she basically says, um, uh, well, the the plane's departed. Uh, You're not going anywhere. You can go back to your uh, hotels, to your uh, wherever you stayed, and, you know, the planes are not going, and we don't know when the next plane is going to come. So so basically, uh, you know, a lot of people were um, people were angry. A lot of people were angry. Um, a lot of people were, uh, you know, screaming. Um, people, you know, reacted in a different way. Um, we basically decided, well, um, you know, there's, I mean, what are you going to yell about? What are you going to scream about? That's not going to help us, right, in this case. So we just have to come up with the next plan. What's next? What can we do next? So um, so we got into taxi, went back to the Airbnb, um, called the people that um, – and, again, this is all happening because I speak Spanish because, obviously, I wouldn't be able to communicate with the, with the host. So, um, so my daughter calls the host. They come back. They bring the key. We're back um, in, in Airbnb. Uh, so um, we, at that time, though, because they had all of our information, the tourist bureau that's in Ushuaia, um, I guess, was taking a tally on, of everybody that was staying there, and so they had all of our information. So um, I emailed Eastern, I emailed um, the Eastern Radio, I emailed you that, unfortunately, we didn't go anywhere. Now we're going to wait. So the Easter flight that was from Buenos Aires to Miami departed on the 3rd, and we were obviously not on it. And now we were waiting for the next uh, um, set of events. Um, so the, ne- the following day, we get a call from the tourist um, agency that keeps track of all the people that are stranded in Ushuaia, and they basically are telling us, you have to move to a hotel. You cannot stay in your Airbnb because we want to have everybody together so we can account for them. So we ended up going to um, a hotel um, in, the, in, the, uh, in the city, which um, was actually right um, across from the port, so you could see um, the, the, the ships standing there not to go anywhere. So the whole industry was totally paralyzed. 
you know, nobody was going on the cruises. Nobody is going on the, on, um, you know, to Antarctica. Nobody's going anywhere. Everything's paralyzed. Um, the city was uh, somewhat quite organized in a sense that they truly, they truly had police cars going all over. Um, they had um, policemen um, on every corner. You really could not go anywhere unless you were going to get like a piece of bread or, or some groceries, but you truly couldn't, couldn't go anywhere. Um, and, and even before um, the flight, the military flight, I forgot about that little piece, we were told to go to the hospital, which we were a little bit afraid of going again because we already went to one before. That <laughs> so we were told to go to the hospital to get a health certificate now because they wouldn't be able to put us on this military plane without the um, without the hospital um, like a health certificate. So we did go. We we had to walk separately. Each one of us had to go like with a quite a long distance because the police was asking. Um, where are you going? Why you're going? And and um, and you know what are you with somebody? Because you cannot be with anyone. You you could only go as as one person. So um, so we decided that our daughter is gonna go first. She's gonna tell each policeman where we're going. That there's three of us, but we're walking, you know, quite a distance apart. So she can explain because obviously neither me or Jack would be able to explain that <laughs> to them. So um so um you know we we did that. Um, we went to the hospital, had to wait in line. That other um, American family did the same thing. We all got that, and uh, and uh, <clears throat> and we each had to pay like two hundred dollars for like a health visit, which was like literally checking our temperature and and um, <clears throat> like um, just asking us if we cough or or if something is wrong with us. Um, so that was that was uh, you know about it. But what happened is that once we moved to the hotel, we obviously met a lot of other people. Uh, we met the Kiwis, we met the filmmakers, we met a lot of people who were st- who were stranded. When we were at the airport, we what we did is, um, you know, I before each one of us went our separate ways and we went to the uh, to the taxis. I asked some of the people that we were standing in line. With, I asked for their phone numbers. I asked for their, you know, contact information because I felt like, okay, the more of us there is, maybe one of us will hear something. Maybe we'll, you know, somebody will get some more information. We can share the information. We can, um, you know, then, um, you know, help each other basically. So we did. So we, so we created like a chat group um, with all of the like the English speaking people. We created a chat group with um, the Spanish speaking people, and then. Also, there was a huge Argentinian group that had another chat that um, my daughter was able to um, also kind of like um, log into their chat. So that actually helped a lot because all of these um, chat groups um, allowed us to get information from different um, areas. So the Argentina um, Argentinian group, there was over 250 Argentinians people from Buenos Aires, people from Mendoza, people from Cordoba, people from other areas that just came for vacation and now they were stuck as well. So you can imagine we we were a tourist. We were tourists from different countries. But these were their own people and they were stuck. They couldn't get out. They they had they had no way of going back home to their families. So, you know, all in all I was I was looking positive because I was thinking, okay, we have to be positive. We have to be 
you know, um, really happy and, and we really have to be grateful because these are the people that are their own and they can't even go to their own homes. So, you know, we tried. We tried to stay positive and, and um, just, you know, take the day uh, as it goes. We had the roof over our head. We had meal. We made lots of friends. And we, you know, we were just kept going. And we were going to take day at a time. And, 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 and we knew we were going to make it out some, some, someday. So in, the, in all of this, you know, we, again, we were contacting the embassy. We were actually contacting the, um, even the um, other consulates and, and French embassy because the French bus went and they actually made it to Buenos Aires. And they made the flight, the first original flight. We didn't. So I was, like, not happy with myself. I'm thinking, okay, I sh- we should have gone on that bus, and we would have made the Eastern flight. But we didn't because we opted out for the, for the flight. So, you know, just, just moving forward, we basically just, um, you know, figured out, okay, what's going to happen It's going to happen. We just have to keep, be patient and, and keep on trying. In the meanwhile, the uh, German embassy organized another bus, started organizing another bus, and we were going to be on this bus. In the meanwhile, because there was a lot of events going on simultaneously, in the meanwhile, the filmmakers, the people that were in the hotel with us, they left. They were able to get on a charter flight and go um, go to Buenos Aires. Um, and uh, so we were getting ready to go on the German bath and, 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 and go on the 60-hour 60, 60 drive. Um, well, at the time... Um, we were trying to get more documents, and and U.S. Embassy was a little difficult um, in a sense uh, because they really didn't have much information about the German bus. So we had to like um, keep asking them the question. They wouldn't give us the um, the document that they needed to get from the Argentinian government. But um, eventually, all in all, um, they got in touch with the German embassy, and and we um, we got on the list for the for the bus. In the meanwhile, we were as we were getting ready and we were thinking of the um, bus drive for the 60 hours. Um, there was still no flight to uh, from Buenos Aires to Miami. There was no other flight that uh, Easter had announced. So, as we were checking the Eastern um, portal, we we saw flights from Lima, we saw fr- flights from Guayaquil, um, but nothing from Buenos Aires at that time. So um, what was happening is that, but we said, okay, it doesn't matter. As long as we get to Buenos Aires, we're sure that, you know, Eastern will will make another flight. We're sure. Although U.S. Embassy was sending us uh, flights for um, Ethiopian Airlines, which later canceled as well. Um, Some other airlines roll all over the world, but, you know, before we can get to U.S., um, um, they were canceled. We also were trying to um, work on a charter flight from Ushuaia, but um, eventually, and originally, a um, couple of us from UK, people from UK, from Canada, we were all trying to work with U.S. Embassy to organize the charter flight. Um, but it would be um, for five people. It was like twenty-seven thousand dollars. It was enormously expensive. We were like, okay, this is way too expensive. But ultimately, U.S. Embassy dropped off of it. They didn't want to organize it. They basically said, okay, if you guys want to do something, you have to do it on your own. And we all decided that this is just too much money. It's, it's just too costly. We can't afford any of this. So um, so we kind of stayed put, and we were um, trying to get on the German bus. In the meanwhile, my daughter um, started hearing rumors uh, from the um, Argentinian uh, group 
that um, Argentinian group was very, very angry. They were becoming extremely upset with, with what was happening with the Argentinian government. And so they were uh, reaching out to radio stations, to TVs, to the government, to everywhere, whoever had any contact. So ultimately, on the 10th of, um, on the 9th, I think, of, of, of April, we heard that there is a possibility that there, there may be a flight from, uh, from Ushuaia uh, to uh, Buenos Aires on um, April 12th, which is Easter. Um, coincidentally, it was Easter. So that would have been an Easter miracle, but um, we didn't know because, you know, nobody trusted anybody anymore. Nobody trusted that the Argentinian, um, the earliest Argentina will fly, and nobody was trusting the government, especially after that um, military flight didn't, um, you know, didn't materialize. So, but uh, at the same token, I mean, we had nothing to lose, right? So, so as we were on the list for the German bus, uh, we kept checking the website, um, website of the Aerolinas Argentina, and you know, checking if there's any flight that show that show up. We were checking the LATAM airlines, and and uh, we were we were trying um, to to see if we can get on anything, <laughs> anything out of there. Um, not that it was a bad place. It's just that you know, at this time, if every everybody was saying we don't know how long it's going to be, it's maybe two months, and maybe three, maybe half a year. You know, to the point where my daughter uh, checked online and she says, "Well, to become Argentinian resident, you have to live there um, interruptively um, without interruption for uh, for 24 months." So we said, "Well, we have one month down, 23 to go." So we were jo- <laughs> we were joking um, that that you know that may happen. So. But anyway, so ultimately uh, we were we were told by the um, by the tourist bureau, the ones that that told us that we need to move to the hotel. They actually sent um, my daughter a message. Yes, um, Argentina, Aerolinas uh, Argentina got um, a um, um, a permission from the Argentinian government to fly that one flight on April 12th. So they said, okay, why don't you send the WhatsApp message? Um, with your last booking, because we had those three other tickets before, with your last booking and ask them to rebook for this flight, which my daughter did. But I just, you know, I just, I just didn't think that this was going to work since Argent- Argentina never, not even once, responded to us with, uh, even with requests for refunds or anything, nothing, no, no response. We, you couldn't get through on the phone, you couldn't get through via email, nothing. So I kept checking the booking, and as we almost had um, had to commit for the bus, um, I kept checking the website, and there was at one point, there was this one day that was open with the tickets for April 12th. So I didn't even uh, wait for the response from Arlenas Argentina about the rebooking of our original booking. I just bought another set of tickets, which was the fourth <laughs> set. You know, I'm like, well, you know, I'll deal with it later. <laughs> I'll just, you know, I'll just have to deal with this later. It, it doesn't matter. So tickets in hand, I, we called the U.S. Embassy. We, we tried to tell them that, okay, we, we just bought the tickets um, for the um, airplane, and they were not very happy with us because they were like, well, we just got you permission to go on the um, German bus. Um, and we don't know anything about the um, airplane flying from uh, Ushuaia on our um, Aerolinas Argentinas. We have not heard of anything. So we gave them the information, and they basically told us that we have to request another set of documents. We have to provide them, again, with our passports, with our 
um, you know, personal information. And and I was like, well, you already have it like 50 times by now because each time there's the change, you ask us for the same thing. You have it already. But you know what? We're going to do whatever it takes, right? So here I go. Send a formal request again via email. Send this off to them. Um, and here we are. The 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 bus is supposed to leave like on in the in the morning of of uh, the twelfth. Um, no, on the Saturday. Bus is supposed to leave on Saturday, and here we go. We still don't have our documents for the flight, and and, and we're like getting, uh, you know, I'm I'm getting antsy because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if I don't get these documents, this is now Saturday. This is this is this is um, this is Friday still. So I'm like, this is gonna be Easter weekend. Nobody's gonna work in Argentinian government. How are they gonna get these documents to us? We're not gonna get this. We might as well go to the bus because otherwise, if we don't go to the bus and these planes don't fly, this plane doesn't fly again. Here we go. We're gonna be stuck for more. Um, so you know, but all in all, I'm like, okay, let's take a chance. Let's 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 um, keep our fingers crossed. Let's you know keep our spirit alive. And so our friends, a couple of our friends left on that bus, on that um, German bus. We stayed. We were waiting for this flight. We still were hoping the flight will go. And so we on Saturday we got the papers from the embassy. We got everything ready so we we sort of were but we didn't know until the end we didn't know if the flight was going to be canceled or where it's going to go so on sunday morning um the tourist bureau actually organized um oh no before that on saturday um on saturday we keep checking eastern airlines um website and there it is another flight on april 18th is going to go from buenos aires to miami so I'm like, okay, I'm getting the tickets again. <laughs> um, but um, but it was all good, all good. So I bought the tickets, not even knowing if we're going to get to Buenos Aires. But I was like, okay, you know what? Who cares? Let's get the tickets. Um, Eastern was so good to us. They, they refunded our original ticket um, with no problems. So I'm like, okay, you know what? If they were so good, if anything, um, you know, they'll refund us again. Hopefully, if, if we can make it, oh, we'll have to rebook it. I said, eventually, we'll have to get to the States. Um, so we'll have to use it anyway. <laughs> so, um, so you know, here we go. We first time they come, um, they, uh, the hotel and the tourist bureau organized the, the bus. So everybody from the hotel, except for the people that left on the German bus, um, everybody went to the um, to the airport. Everything went went fairly smoothly. I mean, we did have a lot of checks. As I said, we were about ten. Well, now from the hotel, we were about twenty minutes from the airport. Um, so there was like a couple of stop uh, checks. Um, you know, there were military, there were police. People were checking. Then, you know, once you got to the airport, it was like one by one going through with the checks, with the um, health screening, with the temperatures and, and everything. Um, but we got to the um, to the uh, airport. We got to the um, uh, waiting room, and, you know, everybody got in. It was about 10 o'clock, maybe 10.30 in the morning. The airport was empty, except for the people that were supposed to be on that flight because everything was closed. Um, so we were sitting there, and the flight, the plane was supposed to, uh, like, fly in from Buenos Aires at 12.30 in the afternoon, and it should it should have taken off at 1.30 in the afternoon. Um, so by 12 o'clock, we hear the announcement, and, you know, you, you, you know when you're sitting at the airport and you hear this ding-dong, and there's going <laughs> to be an announcement, and we're, like, thinking, okay, we're 
snow. <laughs> nobody, nobody knew. And they start announcing, and they're like, um, and of course they were they were speaking first in Spanish, and but you can hear that they're like saying something about the plane, and and it's like we're like sitting there looking, and we're like, oh no. And then the the voice cut off. It's like they didn't finish the announcement, and we're all looking at each other. And we don't know what what was this meant to say and then they come back in English and they say basically that the flight is going to be delayed from um, like 1.30 to about maybe 6 or 7 p.m. Um, so and we didn't and and no other no other information was given so we're like thinking okay what happened did they not so they didn't even leave Buenos Aires yet did something happen you know did, did you know did, was this canceled did, did something you know has changed now so eventually, they did say that the, actually the plane um, uh, broke. Something something happened to the to the plane, and they had to land um, in um, you know in a city somewhere between Buenos Aires and, and Ushuaia, and they had to wait for another plane. And you know by the time they moved the passengers and moved the bags, they they moved the crew and everything. Um, you know, so it was all good. So we knew it was on its way. Um, so um, you know, eventually the plane did come. Um, it, it came uh, about 7, 7 p.m. It, it did um, fly in. Everybody, of course, cheered. Everybody clapped. Um, you know, we eventually got on the plane. Um, it's about three and a half uh, hour um, flight to Buenos Aires. Um, so when we landed in Buenos Aires, it was a it was an easy flight, no no problems. We eventually um, got into Buenos Aires. The, the the airport was totally closed. There was the only flight that came in that that day because everything was closed. So you can imagine um, big airport being closed. Um, there is actually two airports in Buenos Aires. One was Aziza, um, and one is AEP, which is Jorge Newberry, and that's the one that the the Aerolíneas Argentinas flew in. So, but it's still a big airport, and it was closed. There was police everywhere. Everybody was. Um, was uh, sort of like escorted out of the plane. Everybody had to go through another health check. Everybody had to go through um, documents check. You had to have uh, papers from the embassy. You had to have papers from the Argentinian government. You had to have health uh, papers and all these other things. So it was kind of like a um, long process. Um, but, uh, you know, we went through. They had um, right there, and you had to have have a paper where you were staying in Buenos Aires, um, the address, you had to have everything. You you, you couldn't just, just go and, 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 and just go anywhere you wanted to. So we had all this. We um we got to uh um our um apartment building. This was another Airbnb and then uh they wouldn't let us in even though they had all the information. So the so the host of that Airbnb she was there. It was like a little bit past midnight, and um, and um, she was trying to convince the, um, the the people, the security guards, that we're okay, everything was approved, uh, but they still wouldn't let us go. So um, so they had to call the police, and the police came. Then another policeman came. Then another chief um, police came, and they had to check our passports and everything. So we're just standing there. But you know what? All in all, we got there right before midnight, so it was certainly an Easter miracle, and uh, we were good. It was the you know the whole Easter Sunday was traveling, but it was but it was all good. So we got to Buenos Aires, and 
really at that time we were just waiting for uh for the flight on the 18th from eastern and and um i have to tell you it was it was uh there was no there was no you know you had to stay in, inside you had to stay in the apartment um but i was able to work um so that was that was really good um and we were just checking with the embassy where well, I was just checking on the um, Eastern website, um, you know, to see if we are going, if there's going to be no cancellation, if they're not <laughs> going to move the flight, if there's not going to be any changes to it. Um, Cause you know, we, we didn't know. I mean, Argentina government, it seems like it was, it was driving a lot of changes, a lot of cancellation, a lot of new rules were happening every day. As we were watching TV and, and the news, we, we didn't know if something is going to change and if they're not going to let um, Eastern Airlines land because they were not giving permission. There were so many different um, airlines that didn't get permission to, to okay. land, didn't get permission to, to leave or, or, or come or, or, you know, fly to Buenos Aires. So we didn't know. We uh, Until the almost last moment, we had no idea. So, again, we had to... Um, request uh, the new letters from U.S. Embassy to be able to go to the airport to Aziza. We had to, you know, provide our information again and then to be able to go to the airport. And so, of course, on the April 18th, um, on the 17th, we, we sort of like, okay, nothing changes, nothing, you know, not, we, we haven't received any new information. And uh, so we were like, okay, the flight will go, the flight will go. So, so we, you know, we got packed, we got everything ready, and then um, in the early morning, we we went to the airport. Uh, of course, a lot of stops, checkpoints um, on the way. Um, the drivers had to uh, had to um, have their paperwork that they can drive somebody to um, the airport. We had to split, split the taxis because you cannot, you could have not gone more than one uh, person could not be in in the taxi. So we had to split. We had to take uh, so many taxes there. There was uh, six of us in the group all together, seven of us in the group all together. You know, the friends that we sort of like befriended um, throughout this this whole journey. So there were so we sort of like um, well, M was able to go with me because she was my child. So she was with um, in the same taxi, but everybody else had to be in a separate taxi. Um, so you know, we got to the airport uh, again. A lot of checks. Military, um, health um, department, um, police, everybody keep checking, keep checking, keep checking. But all of this was worth it because by the time we got to um, to the um, waiting area, guess what was standing right in front of our eyes? It was the Eastern Airlines plane, and we were like, oh, my gosh. So, of course, I took lots of pictures, or at least I, I thought I took lots of pictures, and we were just so happy. And so um, because the um, the check uh, process was very tedious, it seems like they were checking everybody, like, from head to toe. Everybody was, like, it was a slow process. Um, the the plane was supposed to depart at 11.30 from Aziza. Um, ultimately, I believe we departed around 2.30. But that, so that was like about three hours difference. But it was all not because of Eastern. It was all because of, um, you know, the, 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 the military and the, and the police. They were all checking everybody, um, like, very thoroughly. Um, so it was a very tedious process. So by the time the last person um, came to the waiting room, it was that late. 
Um, but I was very lucky, of course, because before um, before everybody got to be on the plane, um, I stopped um, one of the crew members, and I and I basically, you know, told sort of my story. I probably scared him to death, um, but I um, but I asked if there was any way that I can take a picture and. And he was like, well, the crew's already going into the plane, and they have to go through a briefing and the protocols and everything, so maybe later. So I was thinking, well, um, I'll just take my chances, and when we get on the plane, I'll be uh, pushy again, and I'll just ask if I can take some pictures, right? Um, But I have to tell you, to my surprise, a little while later, as we were sitting in the waiting area, um, the same – uh, the same co-pilot. I think he was a co-pilot. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, forgive me if I if I don't know all the um, you know the the titles or anything. I, I'm 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 just not good at that. Um, but he came looking for me in the waiting room, and he said, "I thought you wanted to come, and you know I ha- I got the clearance for you to come on board." And it was such a wonderful feeling. I I I was able to. Everybody was looking at me. They were like, well, you know, who is she, right? So um, I felt so important, and and I and I uh, and I left through the um, you know the check uh, point, and and he already got the clearance for me to go through, and went through the sleeve, and went on to the airport airplane, and uh, the crew, the the main uh, flight attendant was. Um, still finishing up with um, all the crew members. She was, like, giving them um, the instructions and, and directives, and they all said hi to me. They were so nice, so nice. And so <laughs> Raphael, who was uh, my my uh, savior at that moment, he took me to the cockpit, so I met the, the two uh, pilots. It was it, – I, I can't even describe – I can't even describe the feeling of, of, uh, of this joy and, and happiness. And – and I have to tell you, even though everybody had the masks on, everybody I could you could tell you you can you can tell by the the feeling. Um, everybody was smiling. Everybody was happy. Everybody was joyous. Everybody was so nice to me and to everybody really. So of course I I um, I, I I told them a little bit of my story. We chit chat a little bit, and um, <laughs> they allowed me to take pictures. And then the whole crew. Um, um, that you know, I was able to take pictures with them. That made me so happy. That was I was so proud of myself. <laughs> uh, it was it was it was so it was so nice. And so you know, and then of course we chit chat again. And then they had to get the plane ready. You know, the rest of the things ready. So I left. I thanked them, of course. And um, and then once we boarded um, the plane, I have to tell you, I I. I've flown, I think I, you know, I consider flying a lot for me, obviously it's not, you know, nowhere near any, any of you that, you know, have, have traveled or, or worked for airlines and flown a lot, but I still think that I've flown quite a bit um, over the years. And I have to tell you the, um, the, the, the way that I felt the crew was um, working with each other. The the atmosphere in the in the plane, how everybody was was so nice and kind to each other. Not just the passenger, but 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 really kind to each other. They were cooperating. They were so nice. It was just such a tremendous feeling of of warmth and collaboration and cooperation. Everybody was just nice. It doesn't really happen. And I have to tell you. I don't see it everywhere. I don't see it at every, you know, airline. Um, you know, some people just work together because they have to work together. But here you could actually 
like see the 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 cooperation. The, these people were like friends, not just coworkers. <laughs> it was friends. It was it was such a nice feeling. It was it was so wonderful. It was so much warmth. And you know, I I of course you know you know me by now. I I wasn't shy. I went and I asked um, a lot of crew members. <laughs> you know, what do they think? How do they? You know, what it what it is like to work for Eastern. And um, one of them, I and I quote in one of my emails, one of them, Vega, he said that he worked for he worked for Eastern for six years already, and he said he doesn't really know where he's going to go next. He doesn't know what's the plan for for him to fly, but it was just. But he says it really is the people. It's the people that he enjoys working with, and it, that just that just made my trip. Um, worth it. Everything that we've gone through, and I really didn't tell you all the tiny details because that would have taken me two years probably, knowing <laughs> with my talking skills. But um, it made this whole thing worthwhile. Worthwhile. Just the fact that these people enjoy being with each other and enjoy hel- helping us. Um, really, it, it just made the whole trip um, worthwhile. So I don't want to bore you again because, like I said, I could probably talk much more, but I should have probably gotten clue by now to stop talking. Um, and, uh, you know, but I wanted to thank you again from the bottom of my heart to all of you, not only to adopt us as a family, not only support us and, and be there for us all these all these weeks, um, but even even like support us in your thoughts and prayers and 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 emails and and everything we i mean we we truly felt like a family so thank you so much eastern family thank you everybody martina what a fascinating story <laughs> and uh, we make had a movie uh, out of that <laughs> yeah we had a line of questions uh, from our host to ask you but I think you pretty much covered the entire story. But like you say, there's a lot that you think that you've left out. But at any rate, we only have so much time on the air. And uh, I just wanted to uh, personally thank you for agreeing to this interview. You did tell me that when you got back, settled down, you would do this. And uh, it, it was gracious of you to do that. And as you know, we're very happy to adopt you into the Eastern family and friends, and we hope you will visit the radio show website, uh, which Dorothy does such a great job maintaining and keeping it updated with stories and pictures such as yours. And uh, anyone listening can go to the website and see all these pictures that Martina has uh identified the, the crew with the mask on. You know, when you first look at those pictures, you see all these people with masks on. you not a cut. Well, I'm accustomed now because anytime I go out, I, I see masks. So we're going to have to get used to that, of course. But uh, uh, it, it was just a, an amazing story. I want to ask Mark to ask you any question. Mark, say hello, because you... Uh, you coordinated a, a lot of this uh, with Eastern Airlines. I don't know how you did it, Mark, but you did a great job. I don't know whether you delayed any flights or you had one added or whatever. But, Mark, uh, <laughs> tell Martina uh, whatever you you, you want to ask her. Uh, I've got a question there for you, but uh, you ask a question, whatever you want to ask, Mark. 
Mark? Hmm? <laughs> okay. He, he uh, went for a drink. I think he did. Do <laughs> you have a question yeah, you'd like to ask uh, Martina, Mark? Yeah, it's rather uh, – I found it always rather lonely when you were under sort of military lockdown in Argentina when I used to live there. Did you find it like like that? Yes, certainly. It was like – it's like military – um, you know, I lived through like a um, lockdown in in Warsaw, Poland, when we had the solidarity movement. So it was like a okay. um, martial law. So it was very similar. It, it, it rang the bell. It was very similar. It, 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 you really had to obey the law. You really had to. We watched on the news every night people that broke the quarantine. Uh, they were arrested. Um, their their cars were taken away. One of our oh, friends uh, from the hotel. Um, they were actually, so they were going to be on the cruise, and they, when they got to Argentina, they were, they were in Ushuaia, they got on the cruise, one of the cruises, but the cruise never left, so, because of the, you know, the immediate lockdown, and so what happened is that they were trying to go to a hotel, one of the um, owner of the cruise was trying to help them, they, he drove them to a hotel, he got stopped, and basically because there were three of them in the car, and you could only have one person, his car was confiscated through April 26. So yeah, it was it was some interesting stories. Yeah, and I know I know the feeling you have when you see the Eastern Airlines 767 flight carrier because I can remember getting off the Pan Am jet and looking around, seeing the U.S. flag on the Pan Am jet, knowing that that was the last ground of U.S. soil that I'd gotten off of. So when you see that U.S. flight carrier. It's rather a big sigh of relief, no? <laughs> yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Just, Wonderful feeling. I want to ask. The international uh, procedures hasn't changed. That's yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> any of our hosts, I'm not going to go through the questions that we have lined up for you again because of lack of time. But if anyone has a question that uh, you think. Uh, we, you'd like to ask Martina? Go ahead and ask that now. Anyone, whoever comes to the this microphone first. Announcer, yeah, um, Martina, what? How did your family feel when the plane finally touched down on U.S. soil? <laughs> it was amazing feeling. I have to tell you, I was actually filming. The landing in Miami, I, I couldn't send it off to um, any of you because it was like a too large of a pile. But I, we were, we were filming. We were like, our faces are glued, were glued to the, <laughs> to the window, and we were filming it. So you can only imagine what a wonderful feeling this was. And and I have to tell you, the flight was spotless, spotless. There was like almost no turbulence. We we you know the 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 weather cooperated. It was it was wonderful. So we were the smiles were amazing and everybody clapped of course once we landed. Everybody, yeah. everybody clapped. Very good. Very good. Anyone, they, anyone they else? don't make a movie out of that. Nobody will. <laughs> yeah. I know they should. <laughs> well, somebody ought to be able to write a book about it. Uh, Carrie, did you have a question? Yeah, I said I think they did. It uh, reminds me of Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz. Oh, <laughs> just yeah. wanted to get home. She just wanted to get home. Train, trains, planes, and automobiles. Yeah. There you, got, go. you know, yeah, you know, I've had passengers get off. Too. 
I've had some passengers get off my flights and they kiss the earth, and it's not because <laughs> they're happy to arrive, but they're they are alive on that I, landing. I, I probably would have. <laughs> Neil, um, probably. I, yes, I Colleen, go ahead. Colleen. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't have a question, but I have two comments that I'd like to make. Uh, the first, her impression of the the Eastern crew. I, uh-huh. I I think that the name Eastern pass, passes on that feeling of camaraderie to crews. It's just, uh, you know, all the airlines feel that way, but maybe that's what yeah. it is. At least yeah. I'd like to think so. And the Absolutely. other thing is, well, we've I've heard that from people that have traveled on the train with yeah. us, haven't we, Don? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, continue, and Colleen. Martina, with your persistence, your um, creativeness, but definitely your persistence. I think when they moved you from the Airbnb to the hotel, it was so that you would stop spying on the planes coming in and out of the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we, we try to be persistent. You know, um, there's, there's, you can't break anything if you are persistent. You can, you can only accomplish something. And um, um, I'm sure you had to be persistent in your life many, many times, especially when you're flying the plane and you have to make decisions and you have to, um, you have to make it happen for other people. It, you, so I, I can't even mimic what you all have done um, for all us passengers. So I can only thank you so much. You're very welcome. Very welcome. Martina, you're a trooper. You are the troopers to listen to my, to my story. <laughs> <laughs> It was a terrific story. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, before we close out, uh, I had a song that I was going to dedicate to you, and I was going to play it, but it's a little bit long. I think it's six minutes long. It was written by uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber when he wrote this. When he wrote the show. Uh, don't cry for me, Argentina. And that's the song mm-hmm. I had. Oh, I yeah. might play a little bit of that as we fade out tonight. How did you and, know uh, it was our favorite? How did uh, you know it was our favorite? Oh, that's a wild guess. Well, the gal that sang this song, and it, it, would you mind if I play you just a little bit of that, and then we'll finish Not up our uh, without uh, going through the shows and so forth, Dorothy and all that because we are in extended time now. But I want to just hit you with a couple of little, maybe a minute of it, because this woman just performs. You know, Madonna did uh, a a good job of that song as well. But um, uh, this song is just uh, absolutely stunning. When you see it on the Internet, if you type it in, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, and her name is, I think, Andre Ruiz or something like that. But it's so good. Here's just a little bit of it, and then we'll uh, and we'll terminate the show after this. That's for you, Martina. 
Thank you. It's for all of us. Well, that's the song, 
and uh, a beautiful, beautiful, a beautiful song, beautiful song. And Martina, thank you so much again for being with us tonight. We all enjoyed it, and uh, we hope you'll visit with us anytime you feel like coming on and saying hello, guys. You're totally welcome. I will. <laughs> Give and, us an update uh, on your next venture. Yeah. There you go. Very good. Was your son well, gl- uh, glad that he missed that all? <laughs> well, he he was actually such a helpful soul. He was so worried about us. He was calling everybody here. He was reaching out to um, Michigan State Department. We he was he was really um, he he was he was so resourceful. He was he was really trying. So. Um, he he still wants to go back because he didn't finish the the second part of the trip. So um, you know we'll we'll have to go back and we'll have to see the penguins because we never got to see them. Um, but uh, that's going to be in the future. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Way in the future. Well, I'd like to thank all of our hosts for being with us tonight and our listeners around the world because we do have them around the world. And thank you again. And uh, we're going to bring flight 455 in for a landing. And this is what it sounds like, Martina, when we, Eastern Airlines, puts an airplane on the ground. It sounds kind of like this. all yours. Thanks again, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Martina. It's a beautiful sound. Thank you. It's wonderful listening to you. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Thank thank you. And welcome home. Thank you. And I I will certainly join in and I will, I appreciate that. I will never forget any, any of you for all you've done for us and for all your kindness and support. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Keep in touch. We will. Thank you, Martina, uh, for being with us tonight. Tell us your amazing story. And it was an amazing story. Be sure to tune in again next Monday, May 4th, when America's favorite way to fly returns to the cyber, cyber waves. And when we talk about Eastern Airlines and listen to Oscar Brand's World War II musical tribute, to America's Heroes by Song. And don't forget to tune in Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time for our Repop Radio Hour, stories by the pilots of Eastern Airlines. Our producer, he's telling me it's time to say goodbye, way over time. And this is Chuck Albright signing off on behalf of our hosts, Darcy, Dan, uh, Jim Holder, Terry Holder, Mike Scott, Colleen DeFleece, Mark Carter and George Jen was with us tonight. Bill Holland is going to play the sign-off music made popular by Merle Haggard called Silver Wings. Don't leave me, I cry. Don't take that airplane ride. But you locked me 
out of your mind And left me standing here behind Silver wings Shining in the sunlight Roaring Well, good night Eastern family and friends from around the world, and good night, Eastern Airlines, wherever you are. We love you, Eastern. Good night, everybody. Good show. Good night. Night. Good show. Good show. Great Thanks show. So much. Thank Thanks you so much Martina. for joining us. Good night. We love you, Eastern. Great show. Good night. Good night. Neil, it was good fabulous. Night. And Martina, thank you so much again. Thank you. Taking you away and leaving me lonely, silver wings, slowly fading out of sight. Slowly fading out of sight. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night, Good night all. Bye bye. Good night.